Hey, USA Volleyball fans. This is Steven Munson, co-host of the USA Volleyball Show. Here's an excerpt from Christian Hartford's NTDP Academy course. Hey everyone, my name's Christian Hartford. On this course, we're gonna talk about how to maximize performance while on the road. Me personally, and I tell all of my athletes this, it is perfectly okay to be that weird looking person stretching by the bathrooms on an airplane. You should definitely be doing that, right? As athletes, especially volleyball players, we usually have some long limbed athletes. And so sitting on airplane seats gets pretty tight. Therefore, we usually tell them to get up every hour or two, depending on the sleeping, obviously. But if you're awake, get up every hour or two and stretch out, just lengthen out. Whenever you're sitting in a seat, either on an airplane or in a car for so long, your hip flexors are gonna tighten up. Usually our posture is affected because the seat pushes our shoulders forward. So whenever you stand and you're walking around, try to stretch things like your quads, your hip flexors, okay, stretch out your pecs, maybe you know, put your arm up on the wall and kind of just get, get a good chest stretch, open those shoulders up, right? But the most important general theme here is to keep moving. If you wanna learn more from me on how to maximize your game, Subscribe to the NTDP Academy at usavolleyball.org. City, Colorado Springs, Colorado. This is the USA Volleyball Show. And here are your hosts, Clarence Hughes and Steven Munson. Welcome to episode number 35 of the USA Volleyball Show. Wow. I did that whole intro. My voice didn't crack. But then as soon as I said volleyball, <laughs> my voice kind of cut out. <laughs> What's up, everyone? Welcome to episode number 35. My name is Clarence Hughes, and I'm joined here by no other than Stephen, Mr. Dallas Munson. Oh, speaking of Dallas, I had a good, <laughs> good weekend. <laughs> uh Big Mavericks fan, not going to spend too much time on it, but the Mavericks <laughs> beat the Suns in game seven. Let's go. <laughs> yeah. What a what an interesting game seven that was. That's all I'm going to say. You know, yep. No, yep. <laughs> no shade to either team. But yeah, go. I'm not going to say go Dallas, but <clears throat> best of luck to you guys in the uh, conference finals for sure. Yeah, yeah, definitely should be fun. Uh, well, yeah, what, how was your weekend? What have you been up it, to? It was good. Just played a lot of volleyball uh started with some grass on saturday did a big tournament there um then you know just played some sand for fun and ended with some co-ed fours uh volleyball league indoors so you know just did the whole three-peat thing all three (laughs) in one weekend a lot of volleyball love that Uh it was a great weekend for it too here in colorado oh yeah it was weather is like great yeah nice uh we got an awesome episode today for you guys uh before we get into that, Wednesday, May the 4th, was a big day. And yes, it was Star Wars Day. Mm-hmm. The new Obi-Wan Kenobi trailer dropped that day. I'm so excited for that. But you know what else dropped, Clarence? What dropped? Tell Two what dropped. episodes of the Two. USA Volleyball Show, episode 33 and 34. If you haven't already listened Go check those out right now. Olympic bronze medalist Holly McPeak and U.S. men's national team technical coordinator Nate Go previewed the NCAA beach and men's championships. And we know those have passed now. Uh, so a little of that information is uh, outdated, but there's a lot more to those episodes than that. Uh, we dive into their backgrounds, how they were introduced to volleyball, their current careers, roles and responsibilities within the sport of volleyball right now. And so, so much more. So if you haven't already, go and listen to those now on your favorite podcast platform. Mm-hmm. I mean, you touched on how a little bit of that, uh, you know, segment is uh, out of date. But here are those updates that are right now. Um, a big congratulations to the USD Women's Beach Volleyball Program for winning the 2022 NCAA Beach Volleyball Championship. Now going back to back 
years winning the title, which is insane. Big congratulations to them. Also, a big congrats to the Hawaii men's volleyball team for also going back to back by winning the 2022 NCAA men's volleyball D1 and D2 championship. And finally, a big congrats to Carthage men's volleyball and winning the 2022 Division Three. NCAA men's volleyball championship and also their second straight title. All these teams just going back to back. I know that's so cool. Back to back. What a Insane. what a year. What a co- last couple of years for those programs. That's mm-hmm. awesome, man. Uh, also in the news, both the U.S. men's and women's 25 player rosters for the 2022 FIVB Volleyball Nations League have been announced. And just want to give a special. Special shout out to a former guest on the podcast, Jacob Pasture, for making the VNL roster for the first time in his career for the U.S. men's national team. Awesome achievement for Jacob. Congratulations. Uh, you can see the full rosters. Uh, they're available now at usavolleyball.org. And speaking of VNL, reminder to get your tickets today for the U.S. women's national team, the Olympic gold medalist coming to Shreveport, Bossier City, Louisiana, to host week one of Volleyball Nations League. Some great matches will take place, including against Dominican Republic, Canada, Japan, and an Olympic gold medal final rematch against Brazil. Get your tickets today at usavolleyball.org. Steven, are you excited for me now? You're oh, excited. I'm so gonna pumped. <laughs> I'm going to be there on the ground. It's going to be some incredible volleyball, great matches. I, I just can't wait to, to be back around the, the U S women's national team. And, uh, just, a kind of a historic, um, site too, with Shreveport, Bossier city. Uh, for those who don't know, that is where the U S women's team qualified for the Olympics, uh, back in 2019. So mm-hmm. returning to the city where they qualified for the Olympics, where they eventually went on to win the gold medal. So really cool. Uh, and it's just going to be a lot of fun. I can't wait. Absolutely. I'm so excited for you. You know, I'll be at opens doing our thing there, uh, over in Orlando. Uh, but you know, again, we're going to meet up over at girls in Indianapolis and it'll That's be a right. fun time. It's going to be a really, really fun time. Um, Before we go ahead and and start to introduce our uh, guest for today's episode, um, I'm sad to say that I unfortunately wasn't able to be a part of this interview as I was doing a lot, a lot of lot of manual labor that extended into our interview (laughs) time for for this interview. Busy time for you. Busy time for you. Absolutely. But, you know, again, big thank you to Stephen Munson for, you know, handling that interview and taking lead on that one. Uh, You know, so I'm actually going to throw this over to you and let you introduce our guest since you had the, you know, personal one-on-one time with him. And uh, it was quite the interview. So I'll let you take it away and introduce our guest. (laughs) Yeah, not a problem. Yeah. All, All right. On today's show, we have a legendary guest for you. He coached Pepperdine men's volleyball to four NCAA championships coached the 1988 U S men's national team to Olympic gold has been an assistant coach, a consultant coach, or a scout at seven more Olympic games. Four of those teams earning medals, including the most, most recently the U S women's national team, Olympic gold in Tokyo. Uh, we are excited and honored to have Marv Dunphy on the show just a week before he'll be awarded the Harold T Friar mood lifetime achievement award at the USA volleyball hall of fame ceremony on May 25th in Orlando, Florida. The award is considered USA volleyball's highest honor which recognizes longtime significant contributions to volleyball. And you'll learn a lot more about uh, that in our conversation today. So strap in. We ha- we hope you enjoy. Here's Marv Dunphy. Hey, Marv. How you doing? Doing well. How are you? I'm great. It's hey. very nice to see you again, Marv. Uh, we got to meet briefly in Tokyo at one of the women's practices, and that was really nice to to introduce uh, myself to you and to get to talk to you a little bit. That was fun. Awesome. Looks like you have a lot of history behind you and on, on the wall. There's what, so there's volleyball is, are you just in the athletic office? Are you in your office? Yeah, it, my office. And uh, okay. one of the things my, my daughter did in, I don't know, early two thousands is that uh, I came in one day and she had all these photos on the wall, uh, all the team photos and then uh, everything else, you know, USA Castro and uh Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's just stuff, and uh, and so we we 
a tradition we've kind of continued. You can't see the rest of it, but uh, it's pretty neat. It's uh, it's like a little mini uh, museum of Pepperdine and USA Volleyball. That is so cool. Yeah. I would love to just walk through there and just look at every single picture. That's really cool. Yeah, I would test you. See, I would test you. <laughs> see, yeah, hey, who is this guy? Who's that guy? And uh, Oh, man, and I would fail epically, I'm sure. <laughs> but I would learn a lot, and I would really appreciate that. Well, I'm really excited. Marv, thank you again for taking the time to sit down and talk with me. This is a really exciting time, too, because congratulations, you've been inducted into the USA Volleyball Hall of Fame, and you've won the Friar Award, the Harold, Harold T. Friar Mood Award, uh, and you'll be presented that at the Hall of Fame banquet in May, May 25th, exactly, uh, uh, in Orlando, Florida. So congratulations again to you and your family on that. You know, I, I'm honored and I'm fired up. And uh, I think when uh, anybody starts doing something, they, they don't think, hey, 50 years from now, you know, I, I'm doing this so I can get an award 50 years from right. now. That's <laughs> a, uh, I think that's probably the least what's on their mind. And uh, and it's unexpected. And, uh, you know, just the fact that he was so instrumental in uh, getting volleyball in the Olympic Games and, uh and then I was a beneficiary of his efforts. I told many people that. So I'm, I'm honored and uh, I'm honored to be with actually with some people, uh, the friar and everybody else that will, will be there that uh, have done so much and, and can continue to do so much for our sport. And uh, I, I enjoy that immensely. Yeah, well, I know, you know, I can, I think I can speak for everyone that's been involved in the sport of volleyball and, and, and the sport of volleyball in the future too, that it's much better that you've been involved with it. Um, and to have you so involved in the sport for so many years too. Um, so again, congratulations again on earning that award. And, uh, I know I won't be at the hall of fame, but, uh, Clarence, my co-host will be there. So I'm sure he'll come. Uh, if he doesn't make the call today, he'll come and introduce himself to you at the uh, at the banquet for sure. Sounds great. Awesome. Um, well, you kind of touched on it a little bit, but what you know, what does the award mean to you? Um, just being so involved in the sport for so many years, um, going through Pepperdine with uh, the U.S. national team, going to the Olympic Games, NCAA national championships uh, and just playing your playing career as well. What does you know, earning this award mean to you personally? Well, you know, I, I didn't know uh, too much about uh, the the award, and I, I, I think I assumed that it was uh, for people that like Carla Hall that works, you know, right, yeah, day of her life for USA Volleyball in, in every aspect, and and for me, uh, you know, I I've been lucky enough. I think the reason that this award is coming my way is that I was smart enough to be around some really elite people, both from uh, a coaching standpoint and from uh, the playing standpoint and uh, male and female. I, I've been just really fortunate to be with some of the best players to ever play uh, our sport. And uh, so I'm, I'm eternally grateful for that and that's been a fun ride for me independent of the award but uh you know it's kind of like the frosting on the cake and uh yeah and i i again i just uh i was shocked when doug beal and karch and a, a crew of people uh got on a zoom and i didn't know what it was oh, about that's really yeah. cool yeah and uh <laughs> and unfortunately i i thought you know uh uh, I said, wow, somebody significant has passed and they're telling me about it. And, uh, uh, and I teased Doug, I said, Hey Doug, are you coming back to coach or whatever? <laughs> and, anyway. And I just, then actually I was just, I know the magnitude of this award and I just couldn't talk for a while because of being, you know, honored with this. And that's how I feel. That's awesome. Thank, thank you so much for sharing that. Um, you mentioned just before, you know, when you started getting into volleyball, you never would have thought, you know, in a million years that you'd be here uh, in your career and being awarded, uh, being presented this award. 
Um, something we like to ask all of our guests is just, you know, how were you introduced to the game of volleyball? So I'd, I'd like to hand that off to you. How were you introduced to volleyball? Yeah. And I think everybody has their path and mine was, uh, I think unique, different, uh, in that, uh, I was aware of volleyball, uh, because the place I grew up in Topanga Canyon, a 1964 Olympian named Chuck Nelson lived in the, in Topanga Canyon, uh, where I grew up. And so I was aware he went to Tokyo and, but I had never touched the volleyball. And so it was really after I was in Vietnam, uh, army school, Vietnam and came back and, uh, and I kind of saw it a little bit, I think that spring, summer, and then Chuck Nelson, this same individual, started a region 13 i think that was what our region was called then um olympic development camp for volleyball and he said uh marv he said would you like to go as the lifeguard because at noon and evening the the pool is open for all these people and so that's how I, I i went to this camp as a lifeguard and then i just started being part of a group and uh uh that was my introduction and and i started playing and uh had a couple of scholarship offers and uh came to, to pepperdine but uh it was just by chance it wasn't by design and it wasn't a volleyball rat that started playing on the beach and a lot of people perceive that oh you grew up in you know southern california yeah right that's what i would have guessed yeah yeah and eventually when i did play on the beach i i think some guys that were probably maybe five feet that uh this crushed me and my partner and uh yeah got in got in late as a, a player and uh been pretty lucky to uh be with some really good coaches i was good enough to uh get to pepperline somehow and play for harlan cohen and Bertie groot and uh that really got me going and then uh without going on and on uh my exposure to Carl McGowan uh, and Doug Beal and Jim Coleman, Val Keller, and uh, was was huge. And uh, got to work with uh, Terry Laskevich. You know, he was coaching the women's team. I was coaching the men, and just uh, pretty lucky to be at the right place, at the right uh, time. But mostly with the right people. And uh, uh, and I, and I look back at you know Carl and Doug is just uh, they just helped me a ton. Yeah, definitely legendary company there um, that you've gotten to experience the game of volleyball with. What what specifically drew you to the game and kept you in the game for so long? Boy, I I think initially it was, hey, here's something I haven't done. It was kind of new. And uh, and the only thing I could really kind of do, I I was a fairly good jumper and uh, and I, I could I could block and and uh, hitting so so passing no and uh, <laughs> but uh, I I I really enjoyed uh, uh, you know something yeah I think we all like to do some stuff that we do well and uh, I think blocking you know whether it's high work footwork jumping handwork it came kind of uh, came kind of easy and I, I enjoyed that and uh, and then the team part of it you know it just uh, uh, teams are something you'll never experience again, you know, uh, in, in your lifetime. And, uh, you know, being part of teams is, is always special. So kind of fast forwarding to your, uh, time with the U S national team, you took over the men's team in 1985 and, and please correct me if I get these years wrong. Um, but you took over the national team in 1985 and they had just won the men's team had just won the gold medal in 84. What was that like coming into that team um, that was so dominant already? Um, and just, you know, the expectations uh, into that new quad just after winning the gold medal. Yeah. I, I mean, we all like being part of something special and that was a special group, uh, you know, right off the bat. And, and, and actually, you know, if you fast forward it, you know, four years, it was, uh, uh, I, I, my job was not to mess it up. I, I felt that all along the way and, and we won it. I felt relieved that we, we did mess it up, but it was an honor to be part of, uh, something that was special. And, and I think 
when I, a lot of people say, Oh, what was the best team? What was this and that? And who was the best player? And I think it was halfway through that quad. Um, it was a mix of 84 and uh, a mix of another group that went on for 88. And that I'd say the 86 team that won a world championship uh, was just filled with some of the best to ever play. And, uh, uh, and then uh, we went on with, you know, there's three or four guys that went from 84 to 88, but I think uh, that 86 team was, uh, oh boy, I'd want to say maybe 20% better than the rest of the world. And uh, wow. Uh, I, and then again, fast forward to 88. I remember um, the third place matches between uh, Brazil and Argentina. And it kept, it went, is it going to go three? It, yeah. No, it went four. Is it going to go five? And it went five. And there was some dead time. And there was a little bit of anxiety uh, because you didn't know we were starting and stopping. And, uh, Craig Buck was kind of antsy, big metal blocker who played at Pepperdine. And, uh, and he goes, a penny for your thoughts. And I said, Craig, I said, not only are we better than this team, we're you know, 20% better than anybody else in the world. And I can't wait to show it. And he goes, me too. And he starts, you know, give me five. And he was all <laughs> excited. And I, I had to keep an eye on him because I thought maybe he was a little too excited, but, uh, yeah, pretty neat to uh, uh, to be part of something that is that special. So yeah, you're coming in. Um, you mentioned only you know a handful carried over from that '84 team. How did you go about filling the roster um, and kind of that recruitment process to to you know to stay at that competitive level and even exceed that going into '88? Yeah. So the uh, uh, some of the guys that had played for me here that, uh, you know, uh, that I was pretty familiar with, you know, Stiverlick and Stork and uh, Tanner and then Craig, we inherited him. And then uh, going forward, um, we added uh, I'd seen these guys uh, collegiately, you know, uh, RT and, and Ludis. Uh, at UCLA, so it's fairly familiar with them, and uh, and uh, to be honest with you, I don't think I did that much. I think the veterans, uh, Karch Karai, Steve Timmons, uh, uh, Dave Saunders, and I think uh, those guys, and, and Craig included, they set an unbelievable standard uh, of excellence and how to do everything. And uh, I, there, there was some pressure on the new guys to meet that standard. And they, by the time we came to significant tournaments, they were battle tested just by being in that USA gym. And uh, uh, I, I think those times, looking back, everybody thinks, hey, Here's the gold medal. Here's the world championship, whatever. But the times in the gym uh, were the times where you you, uh, you either met the standard or you didn't. And uh, I'm smiling because uh, there were times when uh, those young guys were tested, and, and, and I was too. I was I was you know new to the international arena, and it's all good. I bet just seeing your smile on your face, I bet there's just so many fun memories and probably a lot of competitive, you know. Oh yeah. Scrimmages that went on or competitiveness that came out between, you know, the veterans and the new guys. And um, that's pretty cool to have that, those veterans there to kind of establish that culture for that team. And then everybody else just had to meet them up to that level. Um, That's, that's really cool. That's awesome. Yeah. And you know what, it it really helped. I mean, there, there was a standard we met and there was some pressure and, uh, and I think when it came to playing, you know, the the opponent, it was uh, uh, boy, was it much tougher than, <laughs> than in our practice gym? Right. Yeah. That, that's really cool. That's that's definitely helpful because then you yeah. get on the the competition court, you know, and in your matches, yeah. and you're like, wait, yep, our practices are harder than this. <laughs> yeah. And that was, uh, I think, a really special group when you think of. Dvorak and Powers and, and Berzins and uh, and Karai Timmons, uh, Sterling Sork. And that was a really unique 
uh, group, and they were the first of the new. And I think we've had some good teams uh, since then, but they were the those guys were the nucleus that got it going. And uh, uh, those guys and 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 Neville and Beal and Crab, uh, they deserve you know everything. Uh, I, I think in terms of starting that uh, that run. Yeah. So working the team, very special team, working your way to 1988, a lot of success, uh, especially in the major international competitions with the 85 World Cup winning gold, winning gold in the 86 World Championship, 87 Pan American Games winning gold there as well. Did you just did you become more confident? in your group and yourself as you went, or did you feel just, you know, more pressure to, to get that repeat gold medal? A little bit of both. Yeah. So along the way for me, it was, it wasn't so much, uh, the repeat gold medal. It was like, Hey, what's next? And I would say, what's your most important match? It's your next one. Your most important serve. It's your next one. And, uh, and we, we made it a little bit smaller, uh, you know, by, having that narrow focus. And, uh, but we knew, uh, we knew what the ultimate goal was and, uh, but it wasn't, uh, uh, a big weight every day. You know, uh, I, I think the, the focus was, you know, uh, uh, testing ourselves and testing the enemy and, uh, and, and learning from, you know, when you, you learn from both, you know, we we're on the high side, uh, quite a bit when I was there in terms of wins and losses. And, uh, but, uh, I think we, we learned from both and, and we moved on. And, uh, I think that was, uh, it was important to do. So can you talk a little bit about your different Olympic experiences and maybe how things were different, maybe some highlights that maybe stood out to you, you know, from, uh, from 88 all the way until your involvement this past Olympics in Tokyo with the women's team. Yeah. So I, I've been to several, uh, both with the men and the women. And, uh, I would say the first thought is not one has gone according to plan. And, uh, uh, you, you better, uh, be ready for adversity and embrace it, have plan B, plan C and, and be with good people, uh, good people that are on the court, and uh and behind the scenes and, and staff and uh um, and that's just the nature of sport and the nature of life and uh uh boy each each one has its own story and uh uh some of them uh you know were were really tough you know when i think of 2008 uh and what happened there uh right. off the court with uh Hugh McCutcheon's, uh, uh and, and Wiz and, and their their family and uh, uh, we were really tested at that Olympic Games and uh, and actually you get tested uh, at every Olympic Games or, or World Championship but um, uh, it, I think the uh, we all know I think the Olympics has a uh, a little bit you know uh, more visibility and. Uh, uh, there's nothing better than, uh, you asked me about the favorite memory. I always, I always liked it singing the anthem, you know, uh, yeah. and even in Tokyo, uh, just pretty emotional time with, uh, being with Karch, uh, a good friend and so proud of what, uh, the USA women did and what he did with that team. And, uh, I remember saying to a couple of the staff members, Hey, we're, we're singing this one. It was pretty obvious that we were, and it was, uh, it was an emotional time in, in a really good way. And uh, that, that was special. Yeah, that was really cool to to witness that from from my high seat up in the rafters. Uh, that yeah. was it. I could I could still feel the energy coming off the court and uh, that winning point with Jordan Larson and the whole team running storming the court. That was just so incredibly special and cool yeah. uh, to see that. Yeah. And to witness that, you know, what? You, you mentioned Jordan Larson and she was one tough cookie. And uh, yeah. so uh, a lot of people, when I came back, they said, Hey, Mar, if you've been at, you know, four or five of these with the men, now the last three Olympics with the women. And they, they say, what's different in coaching, uh, USA women, USA men. 
And again, I didn't do all the heavy lifting. I just showed up and kind of like was a spy and helped out a little bit. But uh, when they asked me that question, if I wait 10, 20 seconds, they tell me the difference. <laughs> I get the biggest kick out of that. And uh, and I I usually end up not even telling them my side because they tell me, oh, the women are here and the men are this and so on and so forth. And uh, But when I think of Jordan Larson, uh, it male or female, uh, young or old, you're either Tony the Tiger or you're not. And uh, uh, and none none tougher than Jordan Poulter, <laughs> Jordan Larson, that crew. And uh, and actually, you know, uh, toughness is a pretty important component. And when you think of, uh, you know, like our 88 team, uh, were we the biggest, strongest, fastest? No, but uh, probably the toughest and not stupid tough. You know, like a baseball player that goes after the Gatorade cooler with the bat or his foot or whatever. But tough when you, uh, I don't know, maybe you have to overcome, you know, a hot, sweaty, slippery floor, uh, officiating calls that don't go your way. And uh, yeah, just it's important to be tough. And I and I think one of the things that I've seen in the, in the teams that have won it uh, is that they've been pretty tough. You mentioned Karch earlier and just, you know, specifically being there with him and the team in Tokyo. Curious to know, you know, what you think about Karch and as Karch the coach and his coaching philosophy. And I'm I'm sure he's picked your brain a lot, too. Um, But just, you know, and and the culture that he's built with the women's program is pretty special, too. And just wanted to kind of get your thoughts on that. You know, he uh, he cares so much. Is he perfect? Am I perfect? Are you perfect? There's a perception that Karch is perfect as a player and as a coach. Uh, uh, but I think, obviously, incredible uh, mind for the sport, and uh, and and now for teaching and, and coaching the sport. Um, but I think what resonates with me is that his every staff member every player uh they know where they stand and they know that he cares and uh if he can't fix something get something in place uh he'll look at you know five thousand you know <laughs> you know clips and and he'll get it right and uh uh that's you know that's a great trait to have and uh Along with all the elite qualities he has, I, I would say that that helps him a ton. And and in fact, actually, I think uh, I've kind of teased him in a good way about caring too much. You know, uh, if we're at 24 players, he'll spend uh, too much time on you know, how how do we get to 23 from 24? And uh, and I'm saying, cards, we we got to beat the Russians. We got to beat China. Yeah, but focus on. Uh, you know, getting meeting the standard with his crew, and but he wants to give everybody a chance uh, and treat them with respect, and uh, and I admire that. And it's kind of easy for me on the outside. Hey, let's get to the task at hand and and win a medal here. And uh, wonderful, wonderful uh, friend, and uh, we had a good relationship when he played, and uh, so then we played. I think one of you we played ninety five matches. You know all over wow. the world and wow. half of them were at home while home was anywhere in the United States. And I remember one time uh, we were on a tour, I think with Korea playing them five times. And, and I said, Karch, I said, I'm going to see if this other player can carry a load. I'm, I'm going to give you the night off. And, uh, and then all of a sudden things kind of were going South and, you know, there's a big crowd and I look at him and he looked at me and, and all of a sudden he warmed up and he went out there and, uh, yeah, I, I, I kind of, I don't laugh at the current NBA players uh, when they take nights off, but he he never took one day, one night off. And that uh, uh, yeah, was a pretty special time. You know, when I, it, it, we didn't even talk about it. I would just look at him and he'd look at me and it was time to go. Yeah, that's so cool. And it, you know, it's, you see a lot in, in sports and at the highest level, 
great players going on to be coaching coaches and it doesn't always work out. Um, they're not always the best coach, but it, it seems like it's, you know, worked out for Karch and he's a great coach and he's building something special with that U S women's national team program, which is really cool to watch and witness. Yep. And he, he keeps growing. He keeps learning. He has a growth mindset and, uh, uh, boy, and he works hard too. I, I have great respect for that. Yeah. Switching gears just a little bit. Let's talk about your, your college career coaching college, uh, at Pepperdine and, um, correct. Congratulations uh, on another award too, being awarded the Pepperdine's head coach emeritus, um, award. Yeah, uh, that's just for hanging around. For a while. <laughs> yeah. they the, guy, the old guys. Yeah. They, they can't kick you out. Award. Well, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They have to, they have to put something next to my name. They let me hang out here. So they put something next to my name. Yeah. That's awesome. No. Um, yeah. Just, you know, can you talk a little bit about your time coaching at Pepperdine and, you know, just all the incredible athletes that have come through the program as well. A lot of Olympians um, on both the indoor and beach side uh, now, you know, have, have come through that program that you've uh, coached. Yeah. It's uh, it, you know, it, it's uh, I never thought that I would be around such good people, both at Pepperdine with the USA team and at such a high level. And uh, uh, yeah, I, and I'm still hanging out here. Uh helping out a, a little bit, not formally on, on the court, but uh, behind the scenes. And uh, uh, I, I remember uh, when I first started coaching here I, in the recruiting process, I would say something about, hey, this is a big decision. It's four years of your life. And what I know now, what I didn't know then is that uh, these young people are, have had and will continue to have an impact on my life and uh, in every way, you know, uh, good or bad, their, their, their paths are, are, you know, I share uh, their paths with, uh, with them and my path with them. And uh, it's been a lifelong, uh, really fun thing to do. And uh, yeah, again, pretty lucky to, uh, uh, to win a few and, and be in the arena, you know, um, of intercollegiate sport and there's a um i would encourage anybody if you're if you're at all uncertain about hey do i want to coach uh, i would i would give it a try because it's uh it, you know and actually as I, I think about it uh you know you get good young people that you go through life with and then for my kids they get they got exposed to good young people and sometimes as a parent you know, we do the top down thing and say, well, here's how to live your life. Here's how to do whatever. But if they see it, uh, I think it's it, it was helpful, at least for my family. Yeah. And you mentioned your kids just there. I'm going to just jump to this right here because yeah. uh, your daughter, Alex, uh, is coaching now as well. Um, how, you know, how did that process happened for her was she always interested in coaching was that something you kind of gave her advice on you know what she uh uh she after she was done playing at usc uh i think yeah she she got a master's uh, at pepperdine mm -hmm. and started helping out uh maybe a unofficial director of ops and uh that did everything you know <laughs> scheduling camps you know, uh, apparel compliance and, uh, uh, yeah. And I, I, I think she just picked it up. It wasn't by design. And, uh, uh, and then, uh, yeah, she just started with opportunities and options. And, uh, uh, I think for a while it was Marv's daughter. Now it's, it's, it's flipped a little bit. Yeah. And, uh, uh, now who's your dad, you know, uh, young people don't know who her dad was but uh I, i'm really proud of of her and uh she i tell you she can stand on her own two feet when it comes to uh teaching this uh game and uh and the sport in general so i'm i'm really really proud of her that's that's so cool i'm sure for you to to watch that um 
you know, as both the dad and a coach and, and a player of volleyball yeah. too. Um, but especially as a dad, just, I'm sure you're so proud of her. So yeah, congratulations to your daughter. That's, that's really yeah. cool. That's awesome. She's doing well. And, uh, and she gets it, you know, and, uh, yeah, proud of her. Yeah. Uh, kind of talked a little bit about some of the great athletes that you've been able to coach, um, you know, from, there's Sean Rooney that's come through Pepperdine, Dane Blanton, uh, which um, congratulations to Dane and uh, the USC beach team as well for winning uh, back-to-back now, back-to-back NCAA beach championships. Um, I don't, did you get to talk to Dane at all or, or text him or anything? Uh, I, I ch- yeah, we don't chat all the time because uh, we, we know how we feel about one another, but he, uh, uh, yeah, he, he, he's done well. And, uh, I, I didn't see him, uh, when he was here, I didn't see him as a coach and, uh, cause he, he was really hard on himself and he was hard on his teammates and, uh, uh, you know, talking about toughness, he was one, yeah, he was one that was really tough. And, uh, uh, and I, and I, I didn't see him, uh, in this path, but, you know, it seems like he's doing pretty well. And, uh, and actually when he got the job, we checked in one time and, uh, we sat down and I gave him some stuff and, uh, I don't know if he read it or not, but, uh, we, we chatted a little bit and, uh, and actually I, I had one phone call with him prior to the start of this season, just saying, Dane, what there's going to be some expectations. How are you going to deal with them? And, uh, and we chatted a little bit and, uh, that was that, but all of, uh, uh, when the dust clears, I'll, I'll check in with them. Yeah. That's really cool. Yeah. It seems like he's taken that competitiveness as an athlete, uh, and, and moved it over into his coaching side as well. And, you know, expects a lot from his, from his team and his program. And it, it seems to be working out really well for them as well for USC. Yeah. Um, you know, the, the, you know, the, the players here and, uh, uh, you know, certainly we, we've had some great players and uh, one, one of the fun questions I, I get, and I think coaches like myself have been around for a while, that, hey, who is your favorite player? You know, who is your best player? And, uh, you know, it's almost like who, who's your favorite child? And, uh, but it just, when they ask that, I it, I reflect back on uh, just the, the really special players that I've been lucky enough to, to be around. And uh, they'll, they'll, they were special when they played and they'll, they'll always be special. Kind of like we said. So, yeah, when the, when a special player comes in to your program, you know, has so much potential ahead of them. How do you, how do you coach them up to, to reach that, that potential and, and, and recruiting players, especially with that potential to your program specifically, how does that, how does that work? Uh, the recruiting process, obviously, we have to do our homework. Are they in the ballpark, uh, you know, talent-wise? And uh, and then you you check, you know, see if they check all the other boxes. And then I, uh, then it's a matching process. And uh, and I tell them, hey, uh, I've told them along the way, if, if you, you know, if you come here, you're going to uh, get a good degree. You're going to compete for championships. Uh, you're going to play with good people. And uh, you're going to have a friend for life. And uh, uh and then, you know, um, you know what I, I really like, uh, there's, there's a few ways to, uh, to lead it's top down a, this is the way, uh, we do things. And then there's guided discovery. And what I really have enjoyed uh, is the mutual exploration. And, uh, you know, when you involve elite people in, uh, in your program, you, you know, you benefit from their perspective and, uh, and their investment. And, uh, and so I, and, and kind of chart a little bit of a, a course for them with, you know, uh, it's a two way deal. And I'd learn uh, just as much or more from them as, as they did from uh, myself and our staff. But um, I think that that's a real fun time that uh, kind of like, I would say maybe uh, the goal setting element to, you know, their career in the sport and their life. And, uh, and then you see where you, when you hit the mark and, uh, maybe where you had to go to plan B and, you know, plan B happens too, because that's the way life is. And we've talked about, you know, the great athletes 
um, specifically that have come through the program, but you had a lot of great teams as well. You've coached a lot of great teams in your time at Pepperdine. What's, what was so special and, and we know what stood out to you in that first championship in, in 1978, uh, which I believe was the program's first NCAA championship as well. What stood out to you from that team and that year? Um, yeah. The yeah, first thing I think, the first thing I think about is if I had been a better coach the year before we would have won another one. <laughs> and, uh, and that That's the very first thing. And, uh, okay. um, and, and you know, if you if you uh, were to ask me, hey, what was the uh, I don't know the the team that you know looking back, uh, I would say the that seventy eight team because they they were the first of the new and uh, every team is special, but uh, that group was uh, was was pretty unique. And then later, 1985, you, you won the championship as well. And then you left for a time uh, with the U.S. men's team and then came back in 92. Well, I think before that, 1988, I believe you came back and then won the championship in 92. What were, were those, did those stand out to you at all? Were those more difficult um, championships, more difficult teams to coach? Or what stands out to you, um, especially you know, when you left for a time with the U.S. with Team USA and came back, um, how that how that gap uh, worked yeah. for you? Yeah, and actually, for, for me personally, I, I hope I don't digress too far from your question. But oh yeah, uh, please. You know, people say, "Hey, Marv, you started your first year as a head coach at 76, 77, right? And then you coach until you know whatever a few years ago." Um, they said, well, that's a really long run, you know. Uh, but I had some breaks to get my doctorate and then uh, a couple times to coach the USA team and then come back. And I think that that really helped me. And it helped me uh, time with, you know, elite uh, international players and uh, more time with Doug Beal and Jim Coleman and Carl McGowan. If I'm just here in Malibu, uh, you know, maybe I, I venture out a little bit, but uh, it, I was uh, really lucky to be around some quality time with some real quality people. And uh, when you, th you think of Jim Coleman and Doug Beal, you know, who's done more for our sport than Doug Beal? Nobody. And, uh, uh, I, you know, we're, we're friends to this day, but, uh, you know, <laughs> short Doug Beal story. I, I remember I, I love Doug Beal stories. <laughs> yeah. Well, don't. Yeah. You tell me when to stop because I can tell you. <laughs> but um, we were, uh, I think for men and women, we were in Colorado Springs at a meeting selecting uh, maybe coaches for the U.S., maybe World University Games team. But we, we had some candidates that we're looking at and everybody's given their two cents. And I think I had to make the call or, uh, at least take the input from everybody and, and chart a course. And uh, everybody was weighing in. Oh, this go he can run an offense. This you know, serve block defense, he's great, and so on and so forth. And Doug was not saying anything. He's sitting right next to me, and I'm thinking, Doug, I, I need to hear from you. I need to hear from you. And finally, when it's his turn, he goes, I, I want to know one thing. Long pause. And then he said, <laughs> uh, does this coach have the courage to make the tough decision? That's all I want to know. And it was awesome. And you know what? I've used that. I've used that over and over. Uh, uh, and I claim it as my, being my own, but I got it from Doug Beal. And it, he was right on, as always. And another short one is, that uh, I don't know, we had a World Cup, which is an Olympic qualifier back in the day. And it's late at night. And uh, McGowan's gone to sleep. Devil's gone to sleep. Uh, maybe it was Hugh. I don't know. So I'm with Andy Reid, and we're watching video in uh, Doug Beal's room. And he says, give me that you know, little remote. And he starts messing around. Well, he works so hard. And not just coaching our team, but with our sport and with USA Volleyball. And within two seconds, he falls asleep. <laughs> and he's holding on to, you know, we want to fast forward, whatever. And then 
cross court. He's just out of nowhere. He comes up and he's just, you know, half of, half awake. <laughs> and, uh, and then I, we take the, take it from him again. And that keeps going on. And he just, it was so funny. So the next night we were doing the same thing. Well, I think it was, I want to say, I don't know, either 2004, or 2003 or 99. I don't know. Uh, probably more like 2003. Well, China gets the 2008 games and they want to uh, interview this famous Doug Beal. So he leaves our room and uh, they have all these lights in their TV crews and the strobes and whatever. And, and so I see Doug the next morning. I said, hey, how'd the interview go? And he goes, uh, you know, here's half of China going to inter- interview him. And he goes, I, I'm not sure. And I said, why is that? And he goes, well, I fell asleep. They had set everything up. He fell asleep. And he, they oh didn't do gosh. the interview and they left. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> just, and my point is, is that he works so hard that by that time at night, he was ready to, yep. to crash. And, but he was, yeah, it was pretty funny. Yeah. Doug was just, I, I only got maybe four years maybe less with Doug when he was CEO at, at USA volleyball. Uh, when I, when I got, when I eventually got there, but my first, very first memory, and I didn't know a lot about volleyball, especially at the Olympic level coming into USA volleyball. Um, I actually started as a, as a temporary assistant under John Kessel when I first started at USAV. Uh, but I was, I think it was 2015 in the world league was going on. Men's world league was going on. And, I hadn't met Doug yet. He was, he'd been traveling and he uh, walked by and noticed there was someone new in, in the cube that he probably walked by every day and uh, just sat down next to me and, and watched uh, about 15 minutes of world league play. And um, I didn't even know that was, I didn't know who he was uh, until I finally asked him like, Hey, nice to meet you. Or are you, from out of town or he was like, yeah, I'm, I'm Doug Beal. I'm CEO of USA volleyball. <laughs> I was like, Whoa, okay. <laughs> that was really cool. And then, you know, found out later he's, you know, legendary coach and, and player as well. And, um, but that just kind of, kind of showed the person Doug was and, and the character that he had yep. just, uh, you know, sit down with someone he hadn't met yet. And uh, that worked for, for USA volleyball, his company and, um, got to know each other. Uh, that was really cool. Yeah. Cool I remember moment for that. Yeah. Maybe, maybe one more here. Short one. I remember it. Please 90, do. Yeah. 99. He says, Hey, uh, come join us uh, in the Springs and, you know, go through uh, the 2000 Olympics. And it went up there and I don't know what those little memo things are called. Those little pink things. And uh, he had a stack that was, I don't know, it must've been 30 or 40 of them. And he's coaching our USA team, but he's solving all the, the problems with our sport and, uh, and, and the good things, whatever. And, and I'll never forget how, uh, somebody from, I don't know, I think it was the Florida region with, uh, a parent was, uh, or a young coach was complaining that the officials, uh, didn't call the overlaps tight enough. And, you know, Doug took all the time in the world to help that person. And, wow. uh, just, yeah, remarkable uh, gift that, uh, you know, he, volleyball means a lot to him. And I know he's kind of wandered over to helping some other people, but I think uh, in his heart, it's uh, USA Volleyball. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely cares about the sport and has put so much into it as well. Yep. Um, yeah, speaking, I mean, Doug's been involved with this a lot, but with, you know, from the grassroots level and, and developing the men's game and continuing to help the men's game specifically grow. Um, but in your eyes, you know, how has the game evolved for you? Um, boys and men's volleyball evolved for you in your eyes. Yeah. So speaking of boys volleyball. Uh, so when I first started coaching, it would be, their little pockets here and there and, uh, uh, of talent. And, uh, and I, if I go to a tournament, it'd be, Hey, here's, uh, some kids that are, see the game well and play the game well. And then there was some that uh, just didn't look like volleyball. And, uh, so towards the end of my career and, and now, but mostly toward the end of my time here, I would go into a tournament or a big tournament 
and volleyball was being played and uh it was really good to see and uh uh that that's the biggest thing that i've seen is that the, the players see the game better and they're playing it better uh across the board and you know the obviously serving then you know when i first started uh you know, there's a couple of rule changes that helped. One was the the, uh, the the block touch that that used to count as a contact, and uh, so then the next person played, then had to go over, and uh, so uh, that was a pretty significant change. And uh, but the serving is uh, uh, evolved, and uh, it's it's you know, and the power. Uh, the athleticism, not uh, too much out of the back row when I first started, and now quite a bit out of the back row. And uh, yeah, the, the the power, the speed, and it's it's still evolving. And uh, I right. I think we see uh, uh, new stuff all the time. How you know, as a volleyball community, um, how can we? help the boys and men's side of the game grow, um, you know, helping more colleges um, have get the game, you know, get men's teams, clubs around the country, get involved with boys volleyball. How can we, you know, as a greater volleyball community help with that? Yeah. And you, you would be a little bit uh, closer uh, to it than I right now, but um I think that the, the what, and correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, a few states have added boys high school volleyball. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. and I think that is huge. And uh, so when I first started with USA team, uh, and even now in California, well, I think maybe it's certain parts. But when they have a state championship, maybe it's a complete state, but it wasn't like we went to, we were, the training center was in San Diego and San Diego did not have boys, uh, in a, in a scholastic volleyball when we first got there. And, uh, I'll never forget, uh, a board of somebody, uh, in San Diego said, Hey, thanks for lunch or dinner. And, you know, uh, PR and me about boys volleyball, but here's the way it works. You get, you get 15 kids at school, and their parents, and you have a meeting with the uh, the leadership of the school. There's 45 people in theory, and their job is to respond to the needs of the community or that school. And uh, within a year, you will have boys volleyball in that school, and that's exactly what happened. And uh, uh, so I think you know the fact that it's uh, yeah maybe at the state level. Uh, yeah, that seems like the best route to go. And then, uh, and then, obviously, if if there are NAIA, you know, uh, Division three, Division two, II, Division one, uh, more opportunities, the better. And doesn't all have to be Division one. I. I think we hyperventilate on that. Right. Uh, yep. And you know, Division two is growing by leaps and bounds, and uh, and the NAIA, and it's. I think the future is pretty good. Yeah, definitely. Like like you mentioned, more and more states are are sanctioning it as a high school sport, as a school sport. Um, so it's definitely growing and, and really exciting for the game. And especially as more and more uh, clubs, schools adopt boys volleyball, that's only going to strengthen the men's game and and go up to the collegiate level. So it's yeah. Like you said, just very exciting uh, time for boys volleyball. And I think in the Division One program, <laughs> it, it's on us to have great events. And uh, you know, the uh, the national championship for, for the uh, the men, the the last few championships, I, I give credit to the schools that are in it, and uh, and the ones that are hosting because we've had really good events. And to where the general public, you know, checks in and sees. Uh, uh, men's volleyball played at a, at a really high level, and uh, uh, the the uh, ESPN and the announcers, you know, uh, Sunderland and uh, Barnett, they, they're doing a good job, and uh, uh, I think that's important. And but going back to what I was saying is that Division One, Two programs uh, uh, 
you know, not just being selfish for their little domain, having a crowd there, but for our sport, I think that's really important. And Hawaii has good events. Long Beach has good events. Irvine does a nice job. Uh, Ball State's doing a nice job. And hopefully, you know, Pepperland, we do a good job and have good events. And uh, so when people come to see it, they're, they're excited about it. Definitely. Marv, thank you so much for, for taking the time to, to sit down with, with us. Sorry, we've probably getting close to an hour here uh, of your time, but really appreciate it. Had a great conversation with you. So thank you. Is there um, anything else that, that you'd like to share or talk about that was left on the table before we let you go? Uh, not, not right off the top of my head. Yeah. Awesome. Thanks for what you do. And uh, everybody with at USA Volleyball, I'm so proud to have been involved. And uh, uh, I, I, I'm involved for the long haul here. Awesome. Well, yeah, really appreciate your time and, and enjoy the Hall of Fame banquet as well coming up here at the end of the month. And, and congrat- congratulations again. Thanks. Thank you. Thank you. What a conversation with Marv. What an incredible individual. Um, really sorry you had to miss that that interview uh, and conversation with Marv. But hopefully you can uh, sneak away while you're at Opens and go to the USC Volleyball Hall of Fame banquet and, and say hello to him and, and talk to him a little bit there. Mm-hmm. Um, but wow. I mean, just what an incredible career Marv Dumpy has had and truly, truly deserving of the Harold T. Fryer Mood Lifetime Achievement Award. He's part of a legendary coaching tree, um, like he talked about in our conversation, including Carl McGowan, Jim Coleman, and Doug Beal. Uh, he coached some of the the best um, who have played the game, including Karch Karai, Steve Timmons, Craig Buck, uh, Dane Blanton, Sean Rooney, and, and so, so many more. Um, and many of those athletes uh, like uh, Karch and, and Dane are coaching now um, and uh, winning Olympic golds and NCAA championships. Um, so, yeah, just uh and, and even his daughter uh, is is coaching. Uh, she's an assistant at Stanford now. So just uh, an incredible coaching tree that's just continuing uh, its legacy and um, an, a, an incredible career. So again, congratulations to Marv and his family and uh, hope they enjoy their time at the Hall of Fame banquet. Absolutely. Then again, thank you, Marv, for taking the time to sit down with Steven and give such a great conversation again i know it wasn't part of it but you know just listening back in on it and going over it it was really an amazing interview so you know we hope you all enjoyed it as well talking about his legacy an imprint that he continues to have on the game of volleyball and again like you mentioned before steven hope you uh really get a chance to enjoy the hall of fame ceremony and hopefully i i I do get a chance to (laughs) you know get away from opens and you know really experience what the hall of fame ceremony has to offer and also get to meet marvin person there too I have my ticket purchased, so we will see if I actually get to, you know, attend and use it, but we'll see. I'm getting my suit dry cleaned as we speak. There you go. Uh, yep. Picking it up on Friday. Nice. Yeah, I know you're going to be busy uh, uh, running the USA Volleyball Open Nationals, but yeah, hopefully you can get a time to step away for a little bit and enjoy that ceremony. There's going to be a lot of great people there, too, who've, who have, um, you know, changed the sport of volleyball grown the game and um it's going to be a good time for sure absolutely uh now on to more upcoming events and updates right now you can watch match point 2.0 the rise of hbcu volleyball an inside look at the rise of men's volleyball at six hbcus made possible by grants from first point volleyball and usa volleyball you can watch that now on the watch page at usavolleyball.org Absolutely. And it is a really, really, really good uh, documentary. Uh, Again, just like Match Point, the first one, it's just so good and it's too short. It's like you always once it ends, you just always want more. And, you know, the really good thing about this 2.0 series is that, uh, you know, we do have some guests that have been previously on, uh, you know, the USA Volleyball show uh, on those. You know, we have Ray Lewis, head coach, Uh, you know, Daniel Matheny, uh, previous podcast guest, um, has a, you know, couple surprise appearances on there and a couple others there too but again make sure you go to usavolleyball.org to watch that it is very it is a it's a a historical document historical documentary and you will not be disappointed for sure 
I mean, up next, we have the 2022 U.S. Volleyball Open National Championship. Uh, that's going to be ran through May 27th through June 1st in Orlando, Florida. Again, good luck to every single person, every single team uh, competing. Um, if you want to follow along more, follow along our uh, USA Volleyball social media for updates and highlights on the event. And you can watch live at BallerTV.com. And really quick, uh, before we forget, uh, and speaking of Orlando, Florida and the Open National Championships, the Hall of Fame ceremony is also going to be taking place in Orlando, Florida on May 25th. And you can if you're in the area, if you're at Open Nationals and want to attend, mm -hmm. you can still buy tickets. You can still purchase tickets at usavolleyball.org. The USA Volleyball Beach Tour continues. Here are the upcoming tournaments and their USA Volleyball region organizers. Lone Star GCVA Galveston B&Q May 21st in Galveston, Texas, Lone Star region. Uh, the Iroquois Empire B&Q 1 May 21st in Liverpool, New York, Iroquois Empire region. Old Dominion Tidewater Summer B&Q May 21st through the 25th in Virginia Beach, Virginia, Old Dominion region. Florida B&Q May 21st in Tavares, Florida, Florida region. North Texas Mad San May BRQ 2, May 28th in Plano, Texas, North Texas region. Gateway B&Q May 28th through May 30th in Chesterfield, Missouri, Gateway region. Lone Star ASC Sand May BRQ number 4, May 28th in Cedar Park, Texas, Lone Star region. Ohio Valley Cincinnati B&Q May 28th through 29th in Loveland, Ohio, Ohio Valley region. Carolina Crystal Coast May BRQ May 28th in New Bern, North Carolina, Carolina region. Southern Rally National Qualifier uh, 1 May 28th through the 29th in Cartersville, Georgia, Southern region. Good luck to everyone competing in those events. And you can learn more about the USA Volleyball Beach Tour and other upcoming events at usavolleyball.org. Absolutely. Be sure it's ramping up the season and cannot wait for uh, the championship. I can't wait for that coverage there. Uh, last year was, was amazing. It seems like everything is just going to be, you know, that times four five times ten. So I definitely can't wait to that. But also on to the National Team Development Program side, we have the Beach NTDP Spring Training Series West uh, from May 20th through the 22nd in Playa del Rey, California. Good luck to everyone attending. And you can also check out more upcoming events and information at usavolleyball.org. Big shout out and thank you to all the USA Volleyball regions working hard every weekend to put on events for USAV membership across the country. Reminder, listeners, you can rate and review, share with friends, family, teammates. It really, really helps this podcast grow and reach new listeners. We are seeing the support come through. So thank you so much for listening and sharing the podcast. And remember, if you want to chat with us or maybe you just have a club you want to shout out or you want featured, drop us a line, send us an email, let us know. We will do our absolute best to get you guys featured on the podcast or get your topic featured on the podcast. You can email us at the USAV show at usav.org. Again, leave us feedback, leave us topic suggestions, all the above. Let us know how we're doing and we will listen and we will try our best to see everything through. Um, reminder, new episodes drop every other week with some special episodes in between. Never know how we're feeling, but yes, stay on the lookout for an episode every other Wednesday. And until next time, thank you all for listening to the USA Volleyball Show. We are the official podcast of USA Volleyball. This has been the USA Volleyball Show with Clarence Hughes and Stephen Munson. Produced by Curtis Ward. Our content producers are Kyle Scholzen and Lara Fawcett. If you enjoyed this podcast, be sure to rate and review. And if you haven't already, please subscribe to the USA Volleyball Show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts.